track you just heard was Flight of Light by Spism. They are a drum and bass duo here in Chicago. And uh, they just dropped a full-length release um, on the ISM Records imprint earlier this month. My guest for this episode is one half of the duo, Dave Marsalek. And uh, we're going to learn more about Spism and uh, what's been going on with Dave. Uh, I'll give you all a little bit of backstory. So Dave's been around our city for a bit. Um, he came here uh, in the early 2000s, uh, was really involved with um, both the free jazz side of things, kind of the experimental music, post-rock worlds, um, and also uh, involved with doing a lot of work with IDM, you know, particularly with drum and bass, and also with experimentations with Jungle um, as a format. Uh, through that, he curated uh, Nights at the Muse Cafe, it's kind of a, a lab for people to experiment with those idioms uh, together as kind of a fusion. And while he was doing that, Spism was touring all over the country um, as a drum and bass duo primarily. They put out a few releases. Dave's had a few other projects, notably Trioism, um, which is a more sort of jazz-based thing. Um, and that was kind of the impetus for him starting up his own imprint on Ism Records. And he's also part of Destroyer or Liberator with my good friend Matt Tate, who many of you know um, is a guitarist and also a Chapman stick player and touch guitarist here in Chicago. Um, so, but more importantly, and in the present, we are going to talk about uh, Spism and Before You Die Tonight and what's going on with them. Um, so let's get things going with Dave. So Dave, I kind of wanted to get a sense of where your beginnings were as a drummer. Um, since that's kind of a heavy part of who you are as a musician. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was around like nine or so. Um, it was, it was opened up in our elementary school to do pick an instrument. Yeah. And I, I had, I had, I had a dream about that. I was a drummer. Um, I think it was like, it was so long ago. I think it was like kind of like a revolutionary war. And um, as crazy as that sounds, I, when the, the moment, the opportunity to do something else, because I was playing, you know, this classical format um, in orchestras and Suzuki, you know, cello. Right. For several years from a child, like early age, as long as I can remember, um, it would just like sound so cool to just bang on a drum, um, you know? Um, so I picked up this, it was like just snare drum and then bass drum and all that stuff. And that morphed into like, you know, as it always does, into okay. playing all the drums. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> you know, and when I think that, that, that galvanized with um with the onset of getting into like rock and particularly metal um yep. you know and and finding grunge in mm -hmm. the early 1990s uh like my first like first music but like just you know getting my first drum set when i was 12 was a revelation my brother had gotten a guitar already so my brother my brother was also playing like violin and i was he got into like sax i got into drums but like yeah just having this as counterpart as well just always playing music together so yeah did you grow up in a musical household or is it one of those things your your family just instilled like you should learn a music instrument because it's good for you kind of thing or like yeah. what kind of it's drove that? It's, it's kind of funny um my my mom uh she always wanted to play piano growing up so her she was she, her family was gift gifted a like huge piano like a like a baby grand uh piano which was like which would have been amazing but her mom unfortunately didn't think there was room or whatever and didn't allow her to play piano. So I think she like in the back of her head, like psychologically, she's like, they must play music, you know? So, huh. <laughs> so, right. so my brother got like really into it. They really, I mean, you can, you saw in the bio, it's like the, I was doing solfege and like, I mean, solfege at two, like um, rhythm training, um, uh, singing where you're clapping, 
Like, mm-hmm. I mean, just instilling, like, the, like, I always think of, like, the musicianship side of it. Right. The theory side, you can learn, but, like, the, you can, like, learn from a textbook, and that's, and that's, that's really important, but um, that came later for me, but, the, man, the, that, the ear training is super important, so. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's, uh, I, yeah, I've, I haven't run into anybody who used Solfege outside of a vocal context. Um, right. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, choral type stuff. Um, but I remember my first year of college actually learning it. Um, my first um, sight reading teacher was a operatic opera singer. And, you know, her whole thing was like, you got to learn where the notes are and you got to feel them and you got to see them yes. um, before yep. you can, if you, you got to see them, like visualize them in your head internally before you can actually look at the chart and like try to read them. That's exactly like, right. And she's That's like, I, I, I don't, you know, I know you're an instrumentalist, you don't sing, but you, these are just, you know, <laughs> rudimentary skills. Yeah, still like, yeah. Right. And I'm, you know, and it's kind of a similar path, like what you mentioned, I'm like, you know, kind of coming up through rock and metal, in the early nineties. Yeah. And it's like, you know, uh, reading tab. And then I, I did take it a little bit more seriously with like trying to learn how to read charts and just sight read a little bit more, but yeah, that, that connection of like actually learning how to like just hum. We were just humming the melody just to like get the, the, the flow of it or the arc of the, the patterns or whatever it is or the rhythms, you know, this is important. Um, yeah, yeah I, I just, I rarely hear that outside of a choral context now. You, you like don't you realize it. how important all that is until, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. until you get into like when I went into college later and I was like, I, I, I'm like this metalhead that, you know, like that was right. kind of like shunning his classical training. Like, oh, I play, I play rock. And when I got to college, I was like, holy shit, like, yeah. I can hear, I'm hearing these things. And like, I, I'm right. like, one of the only ones who can hear this. Like, right. when someone plays a chord, I can dictate, I can like, I can right. transcribe when you play something for me. It's like, yeah. I can just yeah. do it. And it wasn't like a, a skill that I tried to, like, to, to have, it just, it just developed yeah. from all the ear training. It's crazy. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so then, so you had sort of a, this dream thing about playing the drums um, did you have yeah. the, the hero moment too? Were there any drummers that drew you in from like the rock or metal side where you kind of had some aspirations with that? Or is it more just about the experience and the kineticness of like playing rhythm on, on an instrument? I don't know. I th- always think, that's a good question. I, I guess I always yeah, thought yeah. like, I guess I thought it was, always thought of it as like a physical thing. Yeah. And I was, I was always like busy playing sports when I was a kid, like baseball and physical things yeah. and, and like hitting balls with bats and like I, something, something, something really has a, like a primitive, maybe at a primal level connected with me when I started playing drums where you, like it's something I need to like control I can't just like bang right. as loud as I need to um and like there's this and I got into drum set I think there's like you get into another level of control um it's okay to play loud but like also it's an it's a it's it's a lot of instruments it's not just one instrument yeah. like a guitar it's like right you have your um, own orchestra yeah and it's it's a it's a right. pretty it's a lot of power I yep. think the um that that I'm like channeling and, and and the other side of it is it's like this I think whether you know it when you're like 10 or 11 or not like there's this cathartic element to oh absolutely just i mean obviously playing music but like i mean people yeah. lo- i mean the drumming element um is similar to me for singing or dancing it's very primitive and yeah. and everyone can do it um you know and should do it so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean i've watched a few of your um playthrough vids too for your album and I, i've noticed you know, you're a very kinetic player. Um, yeah. You know, there's d- different types of players out there, musicians and d- energies and kind of how they approach instruments and all that. But yeah, I could say, I could see, definitely see the way you're performing and the way you were uh, on the kit. Like it's a very kinetic thing and yeah, yeah, it's a very driving sure. thing. Um, 
and, and that's cool. I mean, I, I see that too. And then the catharsis, yeah, absolutely. For me, music has always been catharsis. I didn't realize it until I was probably in my thirties of like how, like it, what it was. I'm I like, need this. Like I need right? this. Like, yeah. It was like, no, I can't stop playing guitar. Like I, I had a conversation <laughs> with my wife at the time and, and it's, just, and I mean, we're both like, I, what am I going to do if I don't have a guitar? Like, I, I don't know. Like I've always had a guitar, like even when I didn't play it, because my mom played when I was growing up, okay, it was like, yeah. there was, there was always a guitar in my house. And cool. then when, at a certain point, cause I was of course messing around with it, but it was like, I always had a guitar and I've always played music and it's just something I did. And it, and it was like, I hate to say it, this is something that defines me, but it's like, it is, it's like, I, I yeah. it, you know, but then once I kind of connected it to mental health when I was in my thirties, I'm like, shit. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. It is a form of uh, self-care. It's a form of meditation in one sense. And it's also just a form of therapy too, being able to get in with the instrument. And yeah. I would say more so like as drummers, cause it's so physical, like, um, just being able to get whatever it is out. It doesn't matter what the emotion is, but I mean, you're, you, you kind of get, pull yourself into a different place with that. Cause there's a bit of a workout yeah. involved, you know? It is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I often, I often think like what I, <laughs> what would I do if I didn't have my practice space in Humboldt Park, you know? Right. Um, I, I, I really don't know, especially, I guess like, especially in the pandemic Yeah. where like, there's like no safe space besides your home and like, <laughs> right. Um, I don't know. Wow. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, for a drummer too, I mean, like there's ways you can do it like in your garage or in the basement, but yeah, um, with pads, but I, I, everything's a drum. I mean, technically in my mind, like anything is fair game. Um, <laughs> right? oh, absolutely. Right. Uh, which is cool. But um, yeah, to actually play my drums, I need to be in a room where I can just go nuts and that's what it is. So, yeah. so um, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about kind of your background too. So you're, you're from Baltimore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I kind of feel like Baltimore is kind of going through like a bit of a resurgence or renaissance or just it's, it's kind of becoming hip. I mean, there's oh, always yeah. a, a level yeah. of hipness, also especially with like John Waters and stuff too. But, sure. um, you know, and, and the kind of the culture with that, but there just seems to be stuff going on there. Um, now, you know, I'm hearing about it more and more just with some friends I have that are out there. Yeah. Um, and we could probably talk later. You probably know some of these people. Yeah, um, probably. Um, but what drew you to Chicago from Baltimore? Like, why didn't you go to New York? I'm just curious. Sure. That, that was, that was the path. It was either. So, um, yeah, like to just chase back a little bit for everybody's listening. Right. So I grew up in Baltimore and when I finished college, I was the class of 2001, 9-11. Um, and ah. <laughs> woohoo. Wow. Um, yeah, I was emerging to the workplace, but I was a very, I was already like very serious musician gigging through college. Um, I, I was right, I, like, right. I often think like people are like, Oh, what are you going to do after college? And I was like, I just laughed to myself. Like, dude, I'm already doing it. You know, like this is, I've right. been doing it. Like you're just starting to think about it now. Anyway, that's different. That's a tangent. Um, I, so when I graduated from college, I, um, I, I was working with a bunch of bands, um, like ranging from like, like live drum and bass and, and lounges to, uh, like so, something closer to what you do in Sons of Ra, like, like, kind of mingling like uh, math rock and uh, some like kind of, I was kind of in love with the, the Vandermark thing. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, Chicago, yeah. I, I caught wind of that um, and they were touring down there. So that's kind of a good segue. That was one of the impetuses. So once I, I saw DKV trio uh, in Baltimore and it was just, uh, it was mind blowing. See how Drake. Yeah. And like all those guys, right. Vandermark, Ken Kessler, that was like, that was a huge, that was a huge moment for me. Um, and Again, like I, I'm, I'm, you know, stepping stones away from DC, Philly, and like New York, we go to all the time when I was right. in Baltimore. Right. I saw all sorts of John Zorn shit, and like, you know, you name it. Like I, I've seen it, and right. I was like, hey, you know, uh, I was kind of growing out of my shoes a little bit in Baltimore. Yeah. 
it's not a big city. I knew right. everybody. Like, right. Ah. You have to go somewhere else, right? You always I have really to go felt, and, else. and I think, I think, and I think, man, like, you know, some people, they have to go somewhere. And I, I'd always lived in Baltimore. God bless it. But I, some people like have bigger things in mind. Like I just, I just needed to go somewhere else. So, um, cause I had something very specific to do. Um, so it was like, I was thinking York, can I really, do I really want to do that? I may just like fall back on Baltimore. And I, I didn't really know that many people. I was like, Chicago, the stars aligned actually. It's kind of funny. I worked at a cafe. So I've always been like a barista and coffee and excuse me. And, and there was a girl who I worked with who was from Milwaukee originally around there. I was like saying, oh God, I, you know, I, I had visited Chicago. I visited Chicago like actually the weekend after 9-11. Okay. And I, I just, I loved it. I went to Lula Cafe and like saw Vandenberg right there. Right. I was like, I was like, I was all over the place, like checking out like Hungry Brain and blah, blah, yeah. blah, all that free jazz stuff, meeting people. I fell in love. And then I was like, I really want, I, I'm really thinking Chicago. And she's like, oh my God, my friend from Chicago, Milwaukee just got a three flat in Wicker Park. <laughs> I'm moving there. I was like, what? She's like, we need a roommate. It was like, you, can, you, can it be more perfect? Like, huh. wow. $300 a month. I'm like, that's, wow. that's, that's, yeah. that's what I'm spending in Baltimore. Right. Like, I can do this. So like, I realized like you wait, you wait like New York and Chicago are like, okay, I think I can have a chance of making it here. And I, I had visited there. Um, the city did not shut down after 9-11, as you know, right. besides right. Sears. And it, it was just, dude, that thing, it just is so much life. I'm like so many musicians, so much good energy. Yeah. I mean, hell's yeah. I was like, let's do this. So I, yeah. I moved to Chicago, man. 2002. Yeah. Right at uh, the cusp of the Wicker Park heyday. I mean, yes. Um, I, I was down here at the same time yep. too. My wife and I had an apartment actually a block or two north of where we're at now in West Town, just off of Ashland. Yep. And that's when things were just really, really going strong with all the different clubs. And there was just a yeah. lot of bands who were super healthy, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah, that, that, that's, that's the time to kind of come into too. I actually moved back from Texas a few years before and then, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was able to re- reinsert myself into the scene right away. And there, there was just so much going on at the time. Oh, too. yeah. I um, loved it. I mean, I was yeah. just like, I was just in, I was in heaven, just checking out music, going to jam sessions, yeah. like really starting to play with people that I idolized. Um, everybody yeah. was so friendly and it was, it was really easy to get involved. And I had the chops. I felt good. I was yeah. Like in, my, in, my, in my prime, you know? So, yeah. And you're kind of on that free jazz avant garde tip too, which is, oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if you want to continue with that. I, I, I sure was, we can. I yeah, was, totally. I was going through all these motions. I'm playing. I like. I mean, I'm I'm playing with everybody at some point. Um, short of just like starting all these bands with all these guys. Right. Um, I was. I started meeting people. <laughs> Chicago Reader. I started meeting people. Going to like you know following Chicago Reader ads for bands and jam sessions. Yeah. And I yeah. met. I met this. Um. I was. I. I thought I was trying out for a band. Um. They were looking for like no Malavishnu Orchestra and blah. I was like, oh, that's cool. Whatever. So like I, you know, I like John McLaughlin. So I, I showed up, right. I showed up at this loft at this top Belmont and I don't know, Central or something. Wow. And I and it's like this crazy warehouse. And like it's not a band tryout, it's like just a jam session. So I'm like, okay, another jam session. So right. like right. playing some wackadoo, jazz, whatever, okay, whatever. And um in walks uh in walks this this shady ass motherfucker with a, with an upright bass and a bottle of Jim Beam. So huh. I'm like, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And he looked really sad. I'm like, I don't know what's going on with this guy. Like, and, and I was like, I went outside and had a cigarette. And I'm like, are you, are you going to play that thing? Cause I'm, I'm like, I'm like the only drummer in this place. I don't know. For some reason, I'm just like sweating. I'm playing my ass off, you know, like right. playing stuff. I'm really not interested in playing. Like let's play, but I'm just swing. Let's play that. I'm like, okay, whatever. 
So right. I, I'm like, you gonna play that damn thing? So he ended up, he like, he ended up bringing it in. It was, it was Pablo, who's, yeah. who, who turned out to be, you know, in Spism. And we ended up, he's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, drum and bass. I want to play drum and bass. Like, that's all yeah. I want to do. Like, and, wow. and like, he's like, really? And I was like, he's like, I thought you were a producer. I'm like, no, dude, I'm a drummer. Let's do it. Like, and he's, yeah. and he started, we started playing like Ronnie Sash and like, you know, right. like just, just going off. And it felt like it was like the room just exploded because all this energy just like finally manifested um and it was it was genuine right and yeah. so the people were like rapping over top of it and there's guitar players playing over top and the right. rhythm section ruled the day yeah it really is the start of schism and that was yeah. the game changer for me in, in chicago so yeah. you guys were really firmly entrenched in the whole dub god uh, dub sorry <laughs> From, <laughs> I, base. I didn't get my coffee in yet um <laughs> right, my evening coffee I, the, yeah, the, coffee. <laughs> the, yeah the drum and bass stuff though so um, yeah. And that, that's actually what kind of has drawn, drawn me to like having you on as a guest too. So mm -hmm. from, from my perspective, so yeah, when I was in Austin, I was really immersed myself in jazz and fusion and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I had a, a, a creative partner down there. He was a VJ, you know, he's part of the hacker rave culture. Um, and, and we would do shows together where I'd improvise with a DJ or, you know, we had somebody who do sequences or drum machine beats um you know right yeah. before people heard about square pusher and like right when Apex nice. twin was just about ready to drop yeah and I, and I was just looking at like how do you how do you how do you mix jazz fusion or jazz with um electronic music like that's the to me the evolution of fusion where it should go should have went right and then and then literally i moved to chicago and like a month later i heard music as a rotted note yeah. and i was just like you motherfucker it's a great <laughs> album yeah that's such a good album <laughs> You know, and then I was hooked, man. Like, I, I liked all that stuff. So, um, you know, very much into that really hyperkinetic playing with the, the bass lines, you know, stuff Tom Jenkinson was doing, mm -hmm. of Apex Twin, all that stuff. And then, you know, um, I, I couldn't really find the people here at the time to do that. Like, I was trying to do stuff that was more pop-oriented, but I was running my guitar with, like, I had drum machines in Ableton with a laptop. And oh, I wish like, we uh, had, had met back in 2002 or three. Right. I, irony of, like, um, <laughs> probably blocks away, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. But like, I, like, drink index here or something like that. You know? Yeah, so I had, like, an electronica project, and we were doing visuals. Like, and, um, <laughs> yeah. I had a guitar yeah. synth, so I was using the synth to trigger a bunch of shit, and we were feeding yeah. the, the, the MIDI signals into my friend's VJ gear to, like, hit light pads and stuff. Um, but we were trying to go all like pop tonica, pop electronic yeah. stuff, you know, but in my heart, I was like, man, I'd really like to find some dudes to do the, the irony of it all shit. is the irony of it all. Right. Is yeah. the, a lot of, a lot of the people that I was meeting that would, that were like perfectly suited to play bass or guitar or top of yeah. this yeah. were super yeah. busy. Right. You know, exactly. Like, yeah, they yeah, already yeah. had their groups or whatever. And like, like yep. they wanted to do it, but yeah. yeah. Ah, see, love So, but yeah. So, so you guys have been around. Oh, damn! Almost twenty years. You've been working together twenty years. It's crazy. Um, I know. It's, yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's time kind flies. Of, in, in in all in all fairness, it, it is like it's kind of off and on. Um, it's, right. Spism, Spism has kind of been like the, you know, when we're on, we're like it's all. We have this thing with all or nothing. That's kind yeah. of our, our motto. Oh, um, I get it. I get it. Completely. And it, I mean, yeah, I yeah. literally, I like for people who are, are not familiar with my band, this is literally drums and bass, and it's and right. also we do play drum and bass, but. Right. Um, this is where the rhythm section takes control of everything. And we, right. we found, we found, I mean, I love guitar players uh, and every other instrument, but something yeah. about drums and bass coming together. And, and as yeah. you know, and as you know, like, and I'll explain, I, I play with a lot of duos, um, right. that are, yeah. that are bass player drums, Chapman stick drums, blah, blah, oh, blah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I love I, that. I saw you. I love that conversation. Yep. 
Yeah, and there's something to be said with that. Like that's that's one of the things actually going back to the, the whole thing with like square pusher and then that aspect of drum and bass. That's like a, a formula from the jazz world of like that yeah. that those two dynamics and in your case having an upright basses too. Mm-hmm. Um, but having that those two pieces of the rhythm section are really the the engine of the band. I mean, you can't yes. have it without that. So, uh, but to hear that just like stripped down and then kind of hyper permutating almost like bebop, you know. Yes, um, with yes. just the rhythms kind of in, in, a, in a bop vocabulary instead of like just thinking about things like with the melody, um, you know, that that's that, to me what, what really is cool with that. Um, but getting back to you guys, so you, you've yeah. been, you know, you've had a working relationship together over a course of 20 years, yeah. um, done a lot of different shows and stuff. Um, and, and the stuff I listened to on, and we'll play some more in during the episodes, like your latest episode or latest um, release, um, you're doing like some vocal stuff and there's more psych synthetic stuff too. Yeah. So you're bringing some of these other the elements into it as well. Um, and I haven't really checked out any of the other EPs uh, or the other yeah. releases you have. Um, has that always been the case or is this kind of an evolutionary thing with your sound? It is, yeah. So so we're, we're basically... We're, we're a chameleon um, band back in the day. We would play, I mean, right. we are, our, one of our first shows was in Carbondale where we played literally like four hours. Right. Great. And like, just, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and the only thing they saved me. It's coffee. It's coffee. Amphetamines. <laughs> Somehow not drugs. But well, like, yeah, a lot, right, a, lot of, of a lot of Jaeger bombs. No, but seriously, right. like, like yeah. I got into, uh, I was aided. Um, I did invest in like an, uh, a Roland uh, SPDS okay. uh, drum pad. Right. Which allowed me, and I, I started. I mean, this is a, a, a you know huge game changer for me. Just a drummer who is able to wow the technology can I can I can sample from wherever a CD. Right. It was still pretty analog. It's so much better now. But I mean, um, <laughs> I, I was like sampling from movies and like music yeah. I liked. I was sampling, sampling from Square Pusher. Yep. You name it, whatever you want. So like I right. I could trigger something that would allow me to to kind of take a break, or it would it would it would help me out. And otherwise, just Pablo is just doing everything. Right. So right. that was super huge for us to have that. And when we would go down to Carbondale, like we were literally playing just basement parties, like mud, mud wrestling parties. <laughs> we were right. doing like we would play, we would, we would play wherever. I mean, I, I opened at, at Buddy's at, for free jazz. Um, uh, we played Tower Records when that was around. We played like, dude, we went, we played all over the place. Like, I mean, opening for hip hop bands to right. um, you name it. I mean, metal. So we were kind of like all over the place without a scene, you know? So we were right, kind of, right. we, would, we would show up at bars with our equipment and say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah Jim said we could, uh, we're playing tonight. They're like, what? Or like, we just step and play. Like we would, right. we would do some crazy stuff, man. <laughs> and, but people, I mean, at the time and there, like you, you were able to insert yourself wherever people yeah. appreciated it. Drums right. and bass, dude. It's like, yeah, it's everybody like likes it. Right. Right. And I mean, the duo concept too, there's such an economy of that. I mean, I, I'm kind of like that with my trio right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, we thought about, okay, let's get some horns in or let's find a keyboard player and we audition people. And, mm-hmm. and then it's like, all right, do we want to have the psychological overhead of having like a, a quintet or a sextet or whatever? No. Yeah. It's more, it's more voices, right? It's like, it, it's more voices and it's more yeah. headaches because everybody's, everybody, you have to deal with everybody's headaches now, personal or performance related or whatever. Um, and, you, you know, I mean, people who are playing that kind of music, like you were saying with, 
when you're trying to find people, they're all in bands. They're all, they have other projects yeah. or, you know, they're doing, they're doing dates, you know, either they're either, yeah. you know, playing like studio s- session yeah. sessions or they're part of they're part of CSO or whatever orchestra and, yep. you know, they got to go make their money. So it's like, all right. Um, so, yeah. So we, we just decided like for us, like in our current lineup, like stay as a trio and augment like what you're doing, you know, um for us you know we're, we're still instrumental but we do, do a you guys lot collaborate of, like do you guys bring people in like we're actually gonna do that on our album for the first time oh um, cool nice. yeah but we do we, we we a lot heavy synthesis both keith and i run guitar synthesizers keith's my bass player um yeah. we're really looking working on like you know looping um just adding yeah. that other dimension to it and then our, our drummer also has a v drums kit that we've been working with the idea mm-hmm. of like bringing that live so we, um, or potentially just using some kind of MIDI trigger system too, so you could have some more voices to work with as a drummer. That's dope. That's dope, man. Yeah, having more, yeah. having more like, uh, yeah, more languages and like different sounds is super huge. Yeah, but you know, that's what I'm. That's kind of what's led me to where we are here. Like, just you know, yeah. The the old sound was totally punk rock, hardcore. Yep. Like, I mean, like, like validate getting validated in two thousand two three when like I I'm, I got I got into Lightning Bolt and like Hella. I heard these right, kinds right. of bands are out there. I'm like, I'm getting more like duos. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Like, I remember there was a time period, like I know you, you're from, very familiar with Reggie's yep. playing there a lot too. Um, like yep. there was a time where like I, I would play at Reggie's or Hottie Biscotti or whatever back in the day. And like, right. it was always duos. Like I would actually like seek out yeah. the duos. Right. It led to other bands. And like, it, it was like, yeah, like drums and bass can do this. It's, it's, it's really, really cool. So. Right. Right. Absolutely. And the trio is like the, the to me. I, I've done a bunch of trios, um, like with Matt right. Tate, um, yeah. and 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 Joe Grezik, and like it's just I feel like that's like that is like the holy the holy trinity. Like I mean, literally, like it's yeah, that's about as good as it gets if you can find a third person. Yeah, I think it's a good balance because it gives you the most amount of room when you need it. Yeah, you know, yeah. otherwise otherwise you have to start thinking orchestrally with arrangements and, and having like you're sure. saying the voices. Um, and having, you know, every, everybody has to kind of go in their space then, or they have to find like a space on the stratum of the, the yep. sound that's being presented. Totally. And, you know, and it's, it's not hard in a technical sense, but in a psychological sense and in a, a group understanding, like to drive that is, is just, that's a lot of work, you know? Um, and yeah. so it, it takes a lot of, but like, I think with the, 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 to me, the trio is like, yeah, like you're saying, the golden triangle right <laughs> so you can have all three elements of uh, melody um, harmony and rhythm together um in a very free way so those those yeah. parts can you know mix and match and you have enough space between the three areas to where you can explore different things um without having to worry about people like stepping on each other or having a lot of mud to deal with as a yeah an ensemble too so agree but yeah I, I, the thing i've seen about successful duos that i've always liked um and this really comes out of my experience with seeing drum and bass folks um yeah. is that being able to cause you have the room to just go off
in 2007, uh, so okay, I, I ran a business for a little while that was crazy. It was like, it really like cemented me in the community called the Muse Cafe. Yeah. Um, I was, I was given this gift. I mean, like literally like the, the ability to, to like run a coffee shop with a buddy who was also in my And game. curate, curate music. Yeah, and I could curate whatever the fuck I wanted. I remember like, hearing it. about this. Yeah, So yeah, with yeah. my Big Shoulders Coffee, where that is, like across right. the street, Matchbox, yeah. all that. Right. So it was like not as nice over there. <laughs> no. Uh, and it was certainly was um it wasn't as much walking traffic as wicker park but we we did really well um at nighttime because we we brought we brought like a, i brought like all these 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 ideas to the table i mean like, you know there was no other place at the time for me where like there was this huge vacuum of like what you're talking about the like just live drum and bass people exploring the square pusher sound like all that stuff like these extensions right. of jazz that i thought were so um obvious right it's like duh like like that's that's where like miles davis was headed that's where all that stuff was headed and we like right and it's it's a it's a it should have been explored more it's and and so anyway so i i was like i felt like it's kind of it was kind of my i had this opportunity rather to 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 expose that more so and part of that was exposing my drumming because like i didn't see anyone else in chicago doing that like right. 200 bpm crazy as fuck like drumming bass um right. idm jungle and and implementing that in the live band without sounding like a like a dj you know, which right, is like, right. which is fine, but like, that's not what I want to do because I'm, right. I'm a human and I want, I want to have that, I want to bring that punk hardcore element metal to the, um, to the table. Um, I don't know if I said so before, but like, this is a good, a good kind of like back step to like my, my past and the, kind of where I'm coming from. I like to say that like I'm a, I'm kind of a, I'm, a, I'm a, kind of a, a hybrid between a metal drummer that learned how to play jazz yep. that got into techno. So I'm right. kind of like. And I'm classically trained. So like, I'm kind of this like weird, like dangerous drummer. <laughs> um, I like, I kind of know too much and, right. and, I, and I, I can read music um, yeah. and I can, and I have a really good ear. Like, right. so it, it's gotten me, it's done really well for me. Um, and I had this kind of vision of what I want to do. It's developed over the years. It's very crystal clear um, and, and, and crystal clear and with fluidity. So I, I really want to change as I go. I'm like, I'm always ready to take on whatever I'm, I'm feeling. So it's very intuitive and perceptive as to like my emotional state where like what I want out, like my, the therapy element we talked about. Yeah. Um, that's why I've been fully embracing this sound. I, to be honest, like this sound that came out of that's in before you die that I'm, that I, I'm, I'm so in love with. I love, I love this direction. Um, we paved, Sabism and I paved it uh, back in 2007. So that was coming out of the Muse Cafe. I had all this time in my hands all of a sudden. Um, and um, I, I picked up a day job and I like at night, I would just smoke cigarettes in my Humboldt Park apartment on Thomas and in the middle of the hood. And I would just write music with my keyboard. So I came, I came coming out of that. I wrote Before You Die and a song called Flight of Light, which I'm pretty sure I, I, I sent to you. Um, mm -hmm. um, it was originally called Lay Low, which has been recorded before. Um, those songs were like this, like this totally new direction. And like Pablo was like, hells yeah. Um, those two combined with another song called Flash Bomb, which we released in January, just, yeah, that, that was like the new sound for Spism. And like, we, we would always like push that stuff live, but it, it's, we still always get gravitized by the old stuff, which is what people want to hear. Mm -hmm. And what, we've, what we felt we had to do because we didn't really have the technology to push all the, that new stuff as well as we needed to. So it never came across quite as we wanted to live. Fast forward, I don't know, like a couple years ago, um, Pablo was still in town. He ended up moving to Tokyo in, well, he met, he, he met uh, his, his now wife in Carbondale on tour in Spism in 2004, which is crazy. And they ended up, they ended up like uh, getting together and um, 
So they live in Tokyo and Japan and, and Shibuya, Tokyo, and they have a daughter. It's crazy. Like they've like they've they have this whole life has developed, which is amazing. But when he moved, when he moved to Tokyo in like to mid-2019, there was what we were doing is just like we were like gigging relentlessly. I mean, we were for a couple of years, 27, 18, 19, like I mean, Liars Club, Debonair. We were opening for like proper and drum and bass night in Wicker Park. We were doing like we were playing like uh, underground stuff again and doing a lot of really fun new material. Oh, cool. um, live wire a bunch. Right. And it was starting to get really fun. It was starting to get really fun. Um, but like I, we knew that like there, he was his, his, he had one foot in, in Japan. It was, it was starting to be obvious. Right. Um, again, like going with the flow, like I can't, you know, we have to let things go. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily it wasn't the end. We, we, I started tracking before you die when he moved um, and around summer of 2019 at a studio. And that was the start of it was like, we need to track this correctly. So um, the sound, the sound is, you know, very synth driven. Um, it's, uh, it, it was the, the first time that song was the first time back in the day that I was able to put vocals to our music with Spism. And I had come to, I'd come to like realize with other projects like Yeti vs. Yeti and Destroyer Liberator yep. um, that uh, with Matt um, that I was like, hells yeah, I can play drums and I can sing. And I can play keyboards too at the same time sometimes. So like right, I, right. I learned how to do a bunch of things at the same time. Um, and all of that really helped me to, to be able to do this and to have the strength to do it. Cause I know in the end you need to do it live. Right. So, right. Anyway, that was a big, that was a big bunch of stuff right there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a really cool explanation of, uh, you know, kind of your mechanics, but also, you know, your sort of creative process and direction with that too. So um so with uh, your other half of the band in Tokyo, I mean, I know you had shows that were lined up, you were going to release, and you guys actually had some uh, some dates in uh, Tokyo. You were gonna Eric, play. I'd be there right now. Yeah, right. right. I know. I mean, we, we've, been, we've been talking about this. So, and this is just the COVID-related bump that. Set yeah. Things. You know, I think we all felt like really good yeah. back in. You know, I don't know people getting vaccinated in the spring last year. Right. I was vaccinated like February, yeah. March. Yeah, I think once it was like it was like okay, like things are feeling a little better going to the summer. We um, can I do bought, this, I, right? I, I bought like the cheapest tickets you can possibly think of to to fly to Tokyo. I think it was like seven hundred dollars round trip. Right. Um. And and Pablo was like, no way. Like worst case, you get refunded. Whatever. So right. we we end up having like okay, this is I'm gonna throw the softball lob it way into the far end of the air. We're gonna book shows in March. It's it's gonna be okay. And then of course, like nature had a different plan with Omnicon and yeah. Right. Uh, Japan has very strict borders. They They're do. very cautious, obviously, and you know, in general, yeah. even before the pandemic. So, um, right. it, it just it just wasn't going to work out. And I'd be in a holding cell right now, um, you know, <laughs> not being able to reach Pablo. They would, right. Right. So. You'd be quarantining. Um, <laughs> but but you you guys are going to actually like you just postponed it. Like you're you're going to go over there and still do this. Like you have a plan. Yeah, for we're going to yeah. do it next year. And in Good. fact, um, yeah, yeah, it was kind of a bummer. But at the same time, like everything has has led to this album. And that's been a lot of fun. I mean, we've been 2021 saw us saw saw me really take the bull by the horns, um, and 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 like in three different ways. The first was like having the strength. I really mean this. Like, <laughs> I, I as much as I I've said like all I can do musicianship wise and the drummer and all these different things. I never learned how to record. Okay, like, it was not like it's not my strong point. Like techie stuff. And that um, this is the time to learn all that stuff. For, it right, is exactly right? the pandemic. The, the 2020 right, 20 right. saw me. Um, I was working with your friend Joe. Yeah. Um, into 2020, uh, we started a trio with this, our buddy, uh, his buddy Adam. 
Um, it never had a name, but like, yeah, that was the last thing I did before the pandemic hit. And that was really super, like just muscular, <laughs> muscular right. music, um, trio music. And then when the pandemic hit, I just started, I, I luckily had bought a loop pedal. I think the same one Joe has. Um, and it's, it's, I, I like using loops, like you were saying, because yeah. you can really focus on something and build upon it. Um, right. I started just having fun with drums again. Like, you know, like there's, there's a quarantine. I was like partially laid off my job for a little bit. I was with my kids for a while. Everything was absolutely insane. Obviously upside down, you know? Right. Um, and I found the only place I could really go uh, was going to practice space. So I go there multiple times a week and um, yeah. I would set up, I would just like whatever my heart desired. I mean, I'm going to play with perfect drug nine inch nails. Now I'm going to speed it up twice as fast. I'm going to, I'm going to go to, I'm going to play square push. I'm going to play whatever. I mean, Britney Spears, I don't, I could do anything I wanted. And I started getting really involved with uh, displaying that these videos uh, of me doing that on, on Instagram, right? And Facebook. And yep. then things started taking off. I mean, there was just like, there was, I was, I was tagging bands that I was into. They were like, they were like liking what I was doing. So like, there was all this like stuff going on. Um, it led to Pablo being like, you know, why don't you, why don't you look around your practice space? Like, why don't we try to work on this album? Like let's yeah. finish before you die. Um, in the end, um, I end up tracking a bunch of other stuff that we, we had been working on. And then I, and then like when I started getting involved with GarageBand mm -hmm. and, and getting a Scarlet um, to track, I realized like, oh shit, I, I got my synthesizer out. And anytime I sat down the synthesizer, I just started plugging ideas. Yeah. Um, and things came out. Things just started flowing. Yeah. Um, I've written, I've written at least 20 songs, new compositions in the last year, most of which are tracked. So like I have a whole other album that's just following this. That's cool. Crazy. Yeah. It's good that, I mean, you're able to tap into your muse and stay focused with that too. I mean, it's one of the things I've talked to pretty much every one of my guests since I've I rebooted my podcast. Yeah. Um, and we always talk about just kind of the toll pandemic, uh, the pandemic takes on you as a musician. Um, and I think it's been rare for um, people to stay focused. I mean, everybody's writing stuff or they're working on covers and, you know, I'll be part of that mix here too we're putting out a full-length album half of its uh, choice standards yeah. and compositions that we were pulling in from all the different branches of jazz um and then the other half cool. are you know pieces that we've been working on and i've had pieces i just haven't been able to sit down and show the guys that i've been sitting on but i've wanting to work on um but to be able to have that much drive and focus, that to me is a very rare thing um, and not get mired by heavily by the psychological effects of the pandemic yeah. to where it's impeding your progress as a musician, you know, and that's, think, that's admirable. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel, I feel really blessed. I mean, I, I like really took, again, like it took the bull by the horns and you did and, and ran with it. And, 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 it. and I realized that like when you, I, I realized that when you, when you start opening up that, it's like a, not a Pandora's box because that's like a negative context, but right. some kind of like, like you're opening up like the, the wellsprings inside and, and, and to put it in perspective, um, like I'm always, if you looked at, if you saw my phone, you'd see, I use my voice recorder. Yeah. I have like, I have it maxed out. Like I have right. like hundreds of things. I'm, I, I'm walking around my practice space. I'm walking around my house. I'm like recording. Boom, 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 like that's some idea. Right. Right. I come back to it. And then once I, I, in the past, I would let all that stuff go to the, the wayside. These are just ideas that just like never got like that got life um, besides that one moment. And now I have, a, I have the ability to look at my phone, listen to these ideas that I, that I captured and when I had the vibe and I can recreate that. 
and make it in, and put it on the garage into garage band or whatever, you know. Um, then I started just tapping into like, I mean, I have like so many ideas, Eric. Um, they keep on popping out. It's just endless. So it's fun. So so now that the album is out, um, and basically you're you're on hold with being able to perform live with Pablo until uh, next year. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably next year. Are you just gonna continue then on working on your next batch of tunes and kind of just as a strategy to just keep releasing new music um, until your yeah. guys are able to play together? Um, or are, well, as the stuff you're working on now is that like a different project or is it all still under Spism? Yeah, it's still under Spism. Yeah, so we're um, th- this album has allowed us to like open up the you know the arms. If anyone listens to this album all the way through, it's like a 35 minute journey through. Right. I like the synth core, cyberpunk, drum and bass, yeah. you know, I don't know, horror beats. I don't even know what that, what's going on sometimes. Like there's some ballads in there that are like, it's a spism. Yeah. It's spism. Like if this is all part of this, like, like this new synthy vocal, like uh, right. language that's, I mean, quite frankly, like is, is kind of coming out of like, like stranger things and like the theme, like, like that kind of like old sci-fi. Yeah. Um, I love the eighties horror slash like synth right. uh, sound from our youth, you know? Yeah. Um, all that a nightmare on elm street all that i mean i love it like um so when stranger things came out and uh that the theme song i, I just I, I something struck a chord um and having those a lot of those sounds on my keyboard is you know, right allowed me to push it i love it i i really love that sound so that's cool so that's a another point of inspiration to keep you moving forward on that then yeah um tell me about your el- your re- <laughs> sorry long day man tell me about tell me about your your label like what what brought that into fruition with ism records sure yeah so i have an i have a lab, uh, record label called ism records so you know spism ism. right um, ism. I, I go by spiz so some people actually I'm yes i know right. as, as we've <laughs> talked about you in the rehearsal space like oh it's busy's drum kit yeah. ethan calls he's busy right yeah right exactly yeah yeah. So, um, yeah. So when, the, okay. So when I, um, at some point I, around 2005, I was playing in another band called Trioism, right? So right. this is another trio right. with a, a guy named Joe uh, Grezik. Um, he's a long time, he was in DJM trio with me. And then we were also playing with a guy named Felix, who was in, uh, maybe, maybe you know him, he's from Future Rock. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he like, he, like, he did his own thing eventually, but we did this really cool trio. And it was like for me, like there's a Baltimore sound that um, involves, like there's a few bands that are doing really, really did really good stuff in the like, like pioneering jungle, drum and bass there, like Lake Trout and this band called Big in Japan. And like I, some of them got out here, but yeah. um, just some really, really awesome drummers um, that inspired me. So when I started this band Trioism, I, in 2003, I like, Kept I was trying to do that, try to do that sound, bring it to Chicago. And it was really, really cool. Um, and that band released an album called Jungle Bop in 2005. We were talking about like, you know, like this idea of like new styles of music earlier and Jungle Bob, I started inventing terms. I mean, like I'm mixing jungle with bebop. So it's like, these right, are like right. similar tempos, you know, like you can play jungle beats to like Charlie Parker tunes. It's actually really, really fun. It is. Um, yeah. um, and I, this is kind of what I was doing at the Muse Cafe eventually kind of led to that. But like the getting to the label, um, when we, re- we released Jungle Bob, which is like probably the first full-length album that I was like really stood behind after moving to Chicago, um, I decided to, it needed, it needed a label. Like, again, like all this stuff is like, there's like these arms that are spreading out. Like I'm doing something new. It's really not happening here in this way. 
I need to put a name to it. And, like if, and, if, it, and if it blows up, even in small ways, like there's some kind of umbrella. So all the, all the uh, pretty much everything I've put out since 2005 is under ISM Records. Um, I haven't really signed any other bands. It's not, it's not really like a formal label, but it's, it does have a, a social media presence. And, you know, it's like a portfolio uh, of work, basically, that you're yeah, able to produce, yeah. right, and push and yeah. distribute. That's cool. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's ISM Records. Um, this, this new album, Before You Die, is on ISM Records. And, and I think I think I always felt like, you know, maybe it's an old style of, of, of music industry, but um, having some kind of label connected, I always felt like there was something to that, you know, even if it's um, just a, a small name. So It gives you a little bit of legitimacy, um, yeah. you know, as the more, more well-known it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I think people take you more seriously if you're signed um right. as a touring musician or just even locally gigging i mean but i know. also i also felt that like yeah like then the umbrella thing of someone with, right. with the rise of myspace and facebook and yeah you know around this time too right 2005 like i felt yeah. like like if someone looks at ism records they can kind of see my catalog right they right. can kind of see what i'm doing exactly and, yeah, yeah. Serve, serves as a portfolio and as an identity of a exactly. group of work that's yep. that's that's very smart man yeah are you are you um I mean, you're, you're fully vested in the spism now. Um, are you like considering doing any other collaborations with folks down the road or, or as you just right now, you're in the moment of like writing your own stuff and. Oh, just, hell's yeah. 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 I mean, honestly, like we were like, we're like, the, we're like the duo that like, that was always looking for other people to play with. Yeah. Um, we, we certainly have, I mean, with the rhythm section, like why yeah. not MCs, right. guitar right. players. Yeah. It's, uh, we're we're born to that than more than ever, and I think as we've we've embraced um, this new sound, we've been working with more MCs. Uh, we yeah, we would yeah. love to work with um, experimental uh, noise makers. Like we have some friends who do stuff like that with like right. on the um, like Apex Twins kind of side of things. Um, yeah, we feel like it can go any direction. And, and sure. the way I'm writing, if you saw if you like just listen to all of it, you'd be like, well, okay, like there's like there's stuff that's like like touching on Mr. Bungle stuff that's touching on like um you know battles i'm right. going like, i'm going like full yeah. square pusher sometimes yeah um sometimes it's like lightning bolt uh, it's like it literally is it really is all over the place but every single time there's like some kind of like there's this kind of like continuity with that synth and yeah um, yeah yeah and i was gonna say with that drumming style too like you said what you said bungle to battles oh, yeah. it clicked for me i love that because yeah. yeah, and then yeah, the ba- battles has that. There's a thread of drum and bass going underneath that, even yeah. though if it's really, it's kind of pulled back a little bit. But it's just a way the way the rhythms drive. You can kind of feel that in some oh, yeah. some of some of their pieces. So, absolutely, like it's just that, that noise math rock world that kind of um, weaves in and out of that, you know. So oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think I think collaborations are fully on the table. We we fully embrace yeah, that. Right, we, right. we worked with a friend of Pablo's uh, who goes by Abnorn. He's on. He's an MC um, that 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 did some vocal stuff on this Destro Kid, which is uh, the second to last song on the album. Right. Really, really emotional song. All these songs are really personal. Um, you know, okay. there's like all these backstories, and um, you know, so like it was actually really wild to have to share the stage with uh, on that song and. I, it felt good like hearing like opening up to someone else's sound wasn't easy um and and i, I just want to do more of it uh can, like, quite frankly like i think that's the way the way of the future for if you want to really build um i kind of look up to bands like health i don't know if you know those guys or not yeah. but yeah i love that trio um and they 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 like work with 
they work with like all these different bands. I mean, Crystal Castles, Nine Inch Nails. I mean, like all these people that I don't even know, but I love that. Like they just, they, so they, in the end, when you look at their discography, you see them like multiple points of connection. It's never just like this trio, this three, these three people. It's always this like this, this language that's kind of opened up, opening its arms. And I, I love that. I want to kind of do more of that. So I think the sound kind of needs it too. Like what we're doing, like it needs, you can't just be me with my synthesizer and like my drums yeah. and singing and Pablo playing bass in Tokyo, like, like in the right. end, I, 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 I feel like it needs to be more like, um, uh, like more going on. So more sounds. For sure. Yeah. I think um, you guys have a, a, an odd advantage of him being located in Tokyo too. <laughs> so many people talk about like, oh, I want to play Japan. I want to play Japan. You can go play Japan, like, and not have yep. to worry about logistics. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and, I know. And, and it's just like, and it, you know, um, what it, and to me, like, it seems like almost like an ideal place for the kind of music you're doing too. Um, in terms of reception, I mean, Japanese in general, they're just. I couldn't agree more. We before he moved there, we we always yeah. like felt like we gotta play Japan. We gotta right. play Japan. Right. Like, yeah. Like there's and, and I've 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 come to understand I, I have never been over there. So I don't I don't know if you've been to Japan or not, but no. Um, um but I've had enough people in my lifetime tell me to go to Japan and play there if I can. Yeah. Um, even right. probably it, it nudges out Europe, like you know, I mean. <laughs> coming from a metal background, let's such as yourself, like there's, there's that thread of like, yeah, I want to play one of those big ass open air festivals in like yeah. Portland or whatever. But, mm-hmm. but then it's just like, I look at the people who are huge influences on me as a guitarist, you know, John McLaughlin, Alan Molesworth, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you always see the really cool videos, even with King Crimson, um, like the cool videos are the ones when they're on tour in Japan, you know, like, yes. and they're, they're, they're feeling it. And it's just like, and I've had so many people who've told me in the music scene, like, you, you got to get to japan man so totally um, i can't I'm, wait to go yeah i'm yeah. so happy you're, you're able to, to actually go and do that fairly easily you know so well you know like the next the next step for us is since like we do have this distance i mean yeah. it's 15 hour time difference so oh yeah like, yeah like this i just like if you're listening like logistically this has been pretty nuts so, like it's always morning somewhere right so like it's morning exactly it's, it's nighttime there so like yeah. um right it's <laughs> It's been it's been challenging. I mean, so I I, I get I have kids. I get up in the morning. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, right. he's he's fully awake. You know, right. he's like, yeah, about to go to bed. Let's talk. And I'm like, uh, coffee. You know, like so, like, right. and vice versa. You know, so like it it has it has its challenges. Um, it's not exactly you know like the band the postal service where they're trading tapes, but it's but there's but there's like this like I love I love the aspect of 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 being in this case like the the fact that we've been more active than ever. Like quite yeah. frankly, like we've done more in the last year together and talked more. I'm like, it's it's gone to like a new level of friendship. It's crazy. So that's awesome. Um, I mean, it kind of forces you to focus, you know. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. just because it's like that's the thread that's kind of holding you guys together now too. Is that that um ability to look forward to actually playing together again? And no, I can't wait. Gosh, yeah, Eric. Honestly, um, like I mean, and I think this is good to touch on. This is yeah. this is very much an electroacoustic sound. And then yeah. that's, that's the, that's the changeover. Like we weren't able to really yeah. uh, do that like very well before in the past. And it was always like, like literally me playing drums and playing bass and then oh. incorporating samples. Now, like if you saw us the next, <laughs> the next time we play a show will be in Chicago probably. Cause he's coming, he's coming in spring. Actually. Oh, cool. cool. So like, we're, we're going to go to like some rent some shack in Wisconsin yeah. on a farm. We're going to like bring all the equipment and like just record a bunch of shit um, right. and definitely play some shows, probably some, something bigger. Right. um and for for friends and whatever and um yeah um i i'm hopeful that 
I'm honestly hopeful that we can we can go to, I can go to Japan and I don't know maybe the fall next year. So, cool. Yeah. The live show that you see with Spism though is like very different. Um, so we we do have like a cult following. Like every band is around forever, right? You have people that have, right. have followed you, right. that are Uber fans, and like, um, they they know us as like that the like playing on the ground, playing on the floor. Like, don't even right. need a PA. Like, I brought my stack. We can do this. Like, we're loud as fuck. You know, right. um, <laughs> shaking the walls. The the new sound is so different because we have to we're 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 ground to the recording. We're ground to, and I don't mean like I'm playing to like the recording. I you have to that, sing. <laughs> I have to sing, but like, but it's, but, right. it's, but it's, but it's selective. So like when I, let's say I take a song like Before You Die, um, the title track, um, I'm, I'm probably singing most of it live, but maybe not everything. Right. So like I'm, I'm choosing what I'm playing along to. I yeah. may be singing sometimes not playing drums. Sometimes I'm singing and playing drums. Sometimes Pablo won't be playing the bass because there's synth. Um, right. uh, it's kind of going to be this new thing. I mean, we, we were, we were, we put a lot of thought into it because I was going to go to Japan this month. Um, and it was going to be really crazy. I mean, you know, like you need to have a good sound. You need to be able to control your sound. And it's a, it's like, it's a totally different like beast. Um, right. Relying on technology like that. It's kind of scary, but it's also kind of cool because like it really grounds us to, to like flesh out this music we put in, we put all this work into and yeah. make it come to life. So it's going to be thrilling. It's me thrilling. The first people that see this music live, I mean, it's going to be ape shit, man. It's going to be completely ape shit. Yeah. So. I'm telling you. <laughs> cool. Um, anything else you wanted to touch on? I think we have a really good point to potentially close there. We've chatted for uh, roughly an hour. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think we can, you know, if you want to, if you're comfortable closing, because we have a nice um, kind of direction to look forward to with like you getting over to Japan, finishing stuff up and talking yeah. about future plans. And I, I'll close this out too. I'll have like a little bumper at the end before we're in the last track to talk about where people can check out your your, your stuff on streaming and get get Bandcamp. Yeah. And I, I was going to ask, um, in terms of your distribution, I guess is one last question. Um, now yeah. that I'm thinking through all this stuff, I brain my brain not really catches up to my mouth. Um, <laughs> in terms of media that you're you're doing right now, you're doing everything digitally. Um, are yeah. you doing CDs? I mean, you know, CDs are a select audience. Vinyl is a cost at a time commitment. Are you going to be pressing any of this stuff on other media we, formats? We would love to. You know, quite frankly, honestly, it's man, budget. We, yeah, yeah, that, we would love to do like a small run vinyl. Um, I, this is like probably the the coolest um, like album I've ever put out as far as far as like putting my whole soul into it. And yeah. I, I really feel like I, I tapped into something. Um, yeah. that's a really nice thing to feel um coming from i mean i'm a pretty you know, all my stuff is very like you know from the heart and all my yeah. music but this one uh, just like it's just a it's a different level because it's such long long term in the making right um yeah distribution wise um yeah we're gonna yeah i hope to do a vinyl we're, we're kind of talking uh about doing a cassette potentially um but yeah. I, I mean i don't I even have a cassette player anymore so it's kind of funny yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it's, an, it's an odd paradigm now <laughs> like people actually want that i'm just like I know, but it's cool. Okay, I feel like I'm like like holding onto cool. it. It's like something right. in the hand, right? Yeah, like, yeah. In the box of my, right? In the box of my office somewhere, I have like all my cassettes from my 18 age years, or early some of them. <laughs> where and I don't even think any of them are playable. It's probably just all like melted or shredded or whatever from time. But 
but there is something cool about that like the, the, the i guess the former like the, the the idea of the cassette you know i, I, don't, yeah. I don't quite get it but i the nostalgia you know probably yourself too of like yeah whatever first albums you had probably were on a cassette or you know oh yeah you know so my first tape was faith no more angel dust um right that, that i like to admit right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you like to admit yeah. <laughs> next episode with dave is going to be <laughs> let's talk about guilty pleasures <laughs> that's a good one yeah right yeah yeah everyone has a good tape story or cd story but um absolutely yeah, i think digital is kind of cool because you can i mean obviously like there's uh, i'm coming from the old school like you were like right. yeah you'd like spend a shitload of money to go to the studio <laughs> you right. want to make your money count and then you have to you know Buy, for, buy a thousand cds yeah, and have them sit in your back porch for like 10 years right it's crazy yeah it's like it, it's, it's, it is but there but it is like the original nft right it's like you have to right. that's where the music is it's on that disc you have to buy it if you really want it you have something yeah. good um yeah. you, you have to buy it from the band so yeah i can remember so many years like touring like you know going around the midwest and like that's where you made your money like you're selling shirts CDs Sales. yeah it, it was stuff it was always right. stuff hey Dave it was great chatting with you thanks so much for coming on the show thanks uh, for having me hey good luck with uh, your shows coming up and uh, playing together with um, Pablo and uh, we look forward to hearing some more music from Spism you can check out more of Spism at rockinchicago.org with the feature page that goes along with this episode uh, Dave curated a colossal playlist uh, to check out uh, featuring some of his inspirations, favorite artists, and particularly uh, bands and artists from Chicago. And um, we're going to wrap things up here with one last track off of Before You Die. Uh, this one is called Twin Speaks. Uh, thanks again for listening, everyone. And uh, remember to be kind to each other. Cheers. <laughs>